insufficient. Like if you think back to this last day or the last week or the last years, do you ever feel insufficient? Do you you ever feel like you don't have enough? That, That there's something else that you could have? That others have things that you don't have? And therefore you feel insufficient. And not only that maybe just your life is insufficient as you think through your vocation, you think through the things that you possess, you think about the relationships that you have, but that you yourself are actually insufficient. That you don't have enough to do the things that you want to do. You don't have enough to offer people. You don't have enough for God. Do you ever feel insufficient? One of the places that remind me of insufficiency the most is Costco. You ever, anyone shop at Costco? Yeah. I had a gal recently, I went in there for just a few things and still spent like $120 and she like celebrated that I was out the door and under like $250. She like got like joyous and she was like, oh my gosh, you stayed under two, like, like applauded me. And I thought about that and if you think about Costco, what they essentially do is you have to go all, you have to go through all the things that you don't need to actually get to the things that you actually need. Right? You're going for food, you're going for these essential items, but you have to journey through all the non-essential things that you think you need. And anytime I walk through there, it reminds me of all the things I don't have because I look at this thing and say, oh, I, I can just get that new tool set. It must be cheaper because it's a Costco. Ryan, how often do you actually use tools? Oh, I can get that new camping gear and you know, all these different things that look so good. It's like, Ryan, how often? Yeah, but I would camp more if I had the stuff, right? Like I would, I would do, you just kind of go through piece after piece and all of a sudden you're in like four or five hundred bucks getting out of Costco when you went for like bread and eggs. And I'm reminded each time of how insufficient my life can feel sometimes. Like if I just had these things or that thing or the thing that others had, I would feel more complete. What's it for you? Like what's it, if you just think through your life this morning, what's the area in which you're feeling insufficient? And oftentimes it's the point at which when someone else has something, the thing you've been desiring, the thing you've been longing for, the thing that you've been wanting for a while because then you'd feel complete, right? It's it's you look at, you know, your, your family and, you know, the brother-in-law just got the new car and you're just still driving like the beater from O2. And it's like, well, I, I want that too. You know, it's the, the single friend who just started dating and, and is now in a relationship and you're also, and you're like, well, I just, if I could be complete if I had what, what they had. So you, you go through and you just think about all the other things and most of our world right now is telling you that you do not have enough. And if you just had more, I mean, that's, that's everything. That's credit cards, the TV advertisements. If you just had this you would be complete. It's like if you actually just pause right now, what's it for you this morning? What's the thing that you've been thinking about and longing for that if you just had this, I wouldn't be insufficient anymore? Maybe another way of putting this is are you content? Are you content this morning? Did, did you wake up with a, with a sense of contentment that might be a word? But did you wake up with that? Or did you wake up like nervous and anxious? And did you wake up thinking about the things that, that you don't have or how I'm going to get through today to get this thing that I want from this person or just for myself? And how I'm going to enter into work this week and I'm still trying to get that raise or I'm trying to do this thing and I still want recognition here. And just all the things, if, if just my, my spouse could change, like I, then I would be content. Like what's it, what's it for you this morning? 
And I think it's a very real question because if you look at the world right now, if, if you look at just the relationships around you, if you look at the people around you, and even if you're here this morning and you don't consider yourself a Christian or you're trying to explore this life of Jesus or, or, or what the church is, I think it's actually probably more of a viable question as I talk to you this morning because you look at the church and say, well, they're supposed to be different, but why do they still run around just as anxious as everybody else? Why does it seem like they're lacking contentment because they still strive and fight and complain? Why, why does it look like they're actually not resting in the promises of God because they're still abusing power to get what they want because they don't have enough. And they, they seem to actually be the people to hold forgiveness the most because if I just make that person pay, then I'll feel complete so I can't forgive them. Like as, as the world watches, why does it seem that we as Christians aren't actually living any different than the rest of the world? Are you content? you content this morning? I want to turn to a, to a scripture from Paul, and uh, he's writing the, the, the book of Philippians to a church in Philippi who, who is under Roman oppression. The, Rome's boot is on their necks, essentially, and Paul's actually writing this letter from prison. He had helped plant them and was a part of them, and, and they actually funded his ministry when he, when he had need financially, and, and now he's in chains, and he's writing this letter to them. And at some point in chapter 4, he says this. I have learned the secret of being content. I, I, I've learned the secret of being content. So the, the things that you wrestle through and struggle through and, and go through throughout the day and the, where the anxiety picks up and the lack of sufficiency and where, where you question, are you good enough or do you have enough? And you go through all that, Paul says, hey, look, I got the secret. And I can imagine the listeners of the person who's reading the letter all kind of lean in. The, the secret? I like secrets. I like the secrets that promise me something, that I could be more successful, or I could have this. Or, you know, like, we like those things, those ads that say, oh, I got the secret for you. And we kind of, oh, I, I want to lean in, because they have something that I don't have, and that would make me more complete if I learned this thing that they have. So Paul says, I have, I've learned the secret of being content. Do you, do you want to know how to be content this morning? Do you want to feel a sense of being content where you don't have to strive? You don't have to do more. You don't have to achieve more. You can actually show up in a room whole and present and not having to act like something else. Or you don't have to keep putting stuff on the credit card to make your life feel more sufficient. You, I don't have to do these things over and over and over again. I can actually be content. The peace that we could actually live from if we were content. The joy that we could actually live from the forgiveness that we can offer if we're, like, these are things that change the way in which society, now, you might be here this morning, like, I'm content. I, I, I mean, I, literally, this week, like, I got the thing that I've wanted, and whew, man, Caitlin got a new pair of shoes from Costco. That bill was more expensive than 120 but she got this new pair of shoes, and I was like, man, I want a pair of shoes, because shoes will make me feel a little bit better about the thing, you know, like, like I, well, now I'm trying to think through, she's out of town for a few days, I gotta go find some time and try and find somebody to go, like, go get a pair of shoes, and then I'll just, oh, I'm gonna feel so good. And then, like, someone else gets a pair of shoes, or I see another pair of kicks, or, like, and then I'm just like, oh, I want, I want more. I, I, I want these things over and over and over, and it seems like maybe you're good right now, you're in that new relationship, you got the car, you got the job promotion, man, I'm content, I got the thing I've been going for, but I guarantee you, in a short moment, you will not be content Again, and I probably most of us in the room are longing for something, trying to find contentment this morning. We, we want to be content, but we, fin we find these moments because we actually end up sometimes getting the little thing that we want. So we're saying to Paul, like, well, I got it. I'm, I'm, 
I'm content. But then, but then he says this. He, he puts a little more thought. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, I ask you, are you content when you got the thing you wanted, but what about when you don't have the thing that you wanted? Do you stay in the area of insufficiency and you lack this or you lack that? Are you content in that moment? Because you might be content when you have the things that you've wanted, but are you content when you don't have the things you want? So he, he says, I, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every Situation. So my contentness is not just based on me having the things that I desire or I want to find fulfillment. It actually surpasses even when I don't have the things that I want, I can still be content. Again, are you content this morning? In any and every situation, are you content this morning? He continues his thought. He expands a little bit more and he says, hold on. Like, I, I, I also know what it is to be in need. Like, let's not forget, the guy's sitting in prison right now. He, he's, he actually has nothing. Yet some way to communicate to the church in Philippi, but he has, he has nothing. Everything that he's ever done and lived for and, and has had in his life is gone. He's in prison. And he's writing to them and saying, look, I know what it is to be in need, and, and, and I know what it is to have plenty, because he's actually writing to the church in Philippians mostly to thank them for their generosity when they were in oppression and didn't have anything and supported the work that he was doing to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So he's saying, look, you guys have also blessed me, and I want to say thank you. You've given, and I know what it's like to have plenty because of you, but I also know what it's like to not have anything. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, if you've been in church at all, or if you've watched a sporting event or looked at a pair of shoes where someone wrote on their cleats, Philippians 4, 13, it's the eye shadow, whatever it is, you hear this voice. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can jump higher. I can run faster. I can tackle harder. I can do the things that I want to do because he gives me strength. How often does that actually play out in your life? Because see, what's interesting, I can do all this through, I can do what? Achieve, strive, get people to like me, do the things that are the desires of my heart, have everything that I want. I can do all of this through him. You can do what? I can be content because of him who gives me strength. I can actually have less because of him who gives me strength. I can also, I can, I can actually sit in need and not have the things, whether well-fed or hungry. Hungry. I, mean, I don't have the things that I need to sustain me, yet I can still be content. I don't have to have the things that my friend group says I need to have. I don't have to have the things that the next Facebook advertisement that listened to our conversation is putting on your feed. I, I, I don't have to, to have that, but, man, if I did, oh, then I could be content. I mean, you know the story, the people that have a ton of money, oh, it's not about money, and you're like, but just let me try. <laughs> like, I know you say that, and I believe you, but, like, just slide me a mill, I'll try it out for a little bit, and, like, let me, let me put this to the test. Because, man, if I just, if I just had that, that thing, I can, be, I can be at peace. I can stop striving and stop trying so hard. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And what he's essentially saying is that him who gives me strength can even work through me when I don't have the things I want to have. He, he can actually work through my life 
when I feel insufficient. He can actually make me content when I don't have all the things that I want. Are you content this morning? So I think the question is, as you maybe feel beat up or as you analyze your life, I know I did all week long, was this passage was very encouraging for me. When I say encouraging, I mean convicting. Like, I, this, is, this is my life. But, but then he goes on. And he says this. We're going to go backwards a little bit. Because I think what Paul did is he actually gave us the answer of how to be content before he talked about being content. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The, the, the peace that, uh, that actually surpasses the thing that says, oh, I can have peace even though I don't have the things that I think are going to bring me the most peace. That's beyond my understanding because I think if I have those things, then I actually will be at peace. So I can't understand how to actually have peace if I don't have the thing that I have. Confusing. But that's why it's above understanding. That's, that's why we actually can't wrap our futile minds around it. But he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And what, what I think about here is this I'll just propose this thought to you, but I, I wonder if a part of this is to say, stop living for the things that you don't have and allow God to work through the things that you do have. Like, stop spending your time walking the Costco aisles, looking at all the things that you could have and the things that you think are going to fulfill you and actually analyze the things that I do have and say, God, they're yours. God, how do you want to work through the things that I do have? Because I trust that you are good. I trust that you have me in your hand. I trust that you are faithful. I trust that the promises that you've given me are actually going to come, even though my circumstances don't feel that way. Maybe it's that we need to stop living for the things that we don't have allow God to work through the things that we don't have. I love how Eugene Peterson rephrases this verse a little bit. The one that we just read, uh, I think chapter, or verses uh, four through five. Is that the next one, Kelly? Sweet. This is what he says. Celebrate God all day, every day. All day, every day. All day, every day. Celebrate God. I mean, revel in him. Like, like, like I mean, like, celebrate him. Talk about him. Throw a party. I, I don't know, but revel in him. Like, 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 can you actually bring the things to life to where God is at in your life? And then he says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. He does an interesting thing here. Working with them and not against them. So what I'm taking from Paul is the way that you rejoice, the way that you operate, and the circumstances that you're in actually matter to the outside world. Actually matter to the people in your office. Actually matter to the people in your family, actually matter to the friend group, actually matter to your neighbors, actually matter to the people around you because when you sit there in your own life and you count the things that you don't have, what do you usually tend to do? You complain, you gripe, you're short, you're frustrated, you're angry, you hold back, you're resentful, you're bitter. And what does that do to the outside? Well, it actually says, well, hold on, I thought, but Jesus said, and God is this for you, but why? you're not any different. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. 
I think that when we scroll through social media, which is a tool of comparison to get you to think and desire and buy and, and do more and the anxiety that it produces, I wonder how many enemies we start to create. I wonder the division that continues to come up because I feel the need to like fix others and control them or to get what they want. And he's saying, no, if you actually celebrate God all day, every day, I mean revel in him, above and beyond your circumstances, you actually like let people know that you're for them because you're patient and you're kind and you're gentle and you're not worried about what you don't have and you're not striving and you can actually just be present to the person in the office that again is talking through the challenge that they're having in their relationships or in their life or the health diagnosis or, and you can just be there. You don't have to think about how I'm going to get ahead today. Because I think God has you where you are right now in the exact place for a purpose. And he wants people around you to know that he is God and that he is good and that he is above your circumstances. He he is above what you do not have and that you can be content not in your circumstances but in him. And is that not really how we actually become the people that Jesus is asking us to become. So I want to pause just for one minute. And maybe there's one thing so far. Maybe you need to ask for the one thing. And I think God asks us to lay down our whole life, but oftentimes that feels too big. And in the season of our lives, there's usually one thing. So what's the one thing that you're longing for right now? Maybe there's three categories. You can ask God to highlight something. Maybe it's in relationships. If I could just have this relationship, if this person could just change within our relationship, if, if I could find this person, maybe it's in work. If I just had a better job, if I could get a promotion, if, if Debbie just didn't work here. I don't know. I should also say, like, John, because John's. Are there any John's here? Okay, anyways. But, like, like, if that could just all be better. And maybe it's just in you. If I could just stop doing the thing that I don't want to do, then I'll be content. If I didn't have to have these thoughts, if I didn't have to feel this way, if I didn't have to have this thing, what is it for you? What's your one thing this morning? So why don't you just, if you can trust me for a moment and close your eyes. And just patiently asking God, what is the one thing What is my one thing that I'm trying to find so that I can be content? And if you feel that God highlighted something for you this morning, hang on to that. If you feel like he didn't, don't worry. It will pop up this afternoon or this week, trust me. And then with that thing in mind and your eyes still closed, I'm just going to read this verse a couple times over that thing. I want you to imagine within that thing, whatever context it's in, what would it look like to do this? What would it look like to celebrate God all day, every day? I mean, revel in him. And what would it look like for it to be made as clear as possible that you're on the side of other people? that you're not working, that you're working with them and not against them.
one more time, just the text, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Now we can open our eyes and we just return to this thought and I have a couple things to close out. But I wonder if the invitation is to stop living for the things that we don't have and to allow God to work through the things that we do have. And, and in closing thought, one of the things that, that happens in life with Jesus is he, he asks us to follow him. And I, I wonder if it actually plays out more like, all right, Jesus, like, here's my life. Why don't you come on with me? Why, why, don't, why don't you come into the things that I'm already doing and that I already have plans for and that I want and that I desire? And Yeah, come on. Like, I'll, I'll follow you within all those things. I'll, I'll try to do these things that you're asking me to do. And, man, but, like, and we all have that one thing that's like, oh, I'll give anything, but, like, not this one thing. But, but he says, follow me. Another translation would actually say, come with me. Like, leave the place and where you're at and join me on the journey that I'm taking you on, that, I, that I'm going on. I, I, I'm going here. Will you just come with me? And we actually see a number of events happen throughout the life of Jesus. Like, he calls his first disciples at one point, and you have Simon Peter and Andrew, and they're out fishing, and this is one of the first times Jesus is kind of on the scene in his 30s, and he says to them, come, follow me. Simon Peter and Andrew left their nets behind. In other words, left their vocation behind. In other words, left everything that they knew how to do, the thing that brought food, left everything. They dropped their nets and followed him. There's another one who starts following him named Matthew, and Matthew was like the worst of the worst because he was like a Jew, but he worked for the Romans to be a tax collector, so he collected money from his own people, so he's a traitor. Like, I mean, he is, he is like, like bottom of the shoe type scum to all of his people. And he's working in the tax booth that day, and he's risen to prominence within the Roman government. And Jesus is walking by, and he says, Matthew, come, follow me. And it says that Matthew got up and left the tax booth. Matthew left everything that he knew, everything that he had put work into, everything that he had that he thought he needed to be content we get another one. There's a rich young ruler at one point that comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus talks to him a little bit and, and the guy's like, yeah, I do all that stuff. I've done it since a young age. And he says, oh, but still there's one more thing. There, there, there's one more thing. Go sell all of your possessions and then come follow me. And he essentially says, I can't do that. That's too hard. And Jesus says, yeah, it is hard. I I know especially when you have everything that you want. It is so hard. And, and then I think about, okay, those are like, you know, people and the disciples and like they got it all together and they know what they're doing and they're like, that's why the book's about them and they have it all figured out. But what about when Jesus actually sends out his disciples? He actually says, go out and proclaim the good news and usher in the kingdom to go heal people. Like, go, go do these things. Not with me. You go do them. And what does he say? Don't take anything with you. Don't even take a shirt. Like, just go. And so what he's saying is, 
You don't have to have everything that you think you want to do the work that I want you to do, meaning that I get to work through you, you're in your life for the sake of the world and for the sake of other people. That I can actually stop living for all the things that I think I need and then that's when I'll have it. That's when God will be doing something in my life. That's when the world's going to change. No. It's now when the things that we have to trust God and say, all right, here's where I'm at. Here's all I have. It doesn't feel like much because there's always more. But God, what do you want to do? How can I follow you? And then what starts to happen is you just rejoice in him. And then you just rejoice in the small things that you do have and the small things that you get to do. And then people start to notice and you're on their side and they're like, wow, what's up? And you're like, Jesus. And they're like, I want to know more. How do I? And then peace and non, like anxious goes, like all these different things just start to change. And we can stop living for the things we don't have and just open up and say, God, work through the things that I do have. That's the kind of thing that changes the world, not you. Not you doing more, not you fixing more, not you getting more. It's him. And it's God and Jesus saying, follow me. Come, come along. I've got you. It's going to be good. And it's going to be above all your understanding. So just come. Why don't we stand?